Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Cloud English Podcast. My name is Luke. It is St. Patrick's Day and I just found that out about an hour ago. I don't know if that tells you something about what I know about holidays, but uh, it is a severely lacking category in my mental space. So, Apparently, it's St. Patrick's Day, also known as St. Patty's Day. Do with that information what you will. And you may be listening to this or watching it later, in which case, never mind. So anyway, we have a lot of things to talk about. We're going to be focusing on feedback today. I think it's going to be interesting in this podcast. I'm going to be going over the importance of feedback and how you can get the right kind of English feedback. I'm going to be talking a bit about how you can distinguish the difference between the words lay and lie, which is, I think, an interesting distinction because people very naturally and easily get confused on that. I sometimes get confused on that. We're going to be looking at a short clip from a TV show and learning some interesting, useful words and phrases. And we are going to be talking a bit about an app that you can use to do live English practice and get feedback. So let's see how that goes as well. All right, and it's great to have you here. Just a few things off the top of the show. So if you haven't already done so, check out my courses. I recently launched a new pronunciation course focusing on building strong pronunciation habits. You can grab that course from, at the moment, from Udemy. Uh, So check that out. If you haven't already done so, you can also hit the like button, subscribe, or show your support wherever you happen to be listening or watching. For example, if you're watching this on YouTube, like button, subscribe, that would be fantastic. But if you're listening, Uh, Maybe leave five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. See what you can do to to show your support. That would be most appreciated. Let's see. What else? Um, Oh, so we're going to be talking about something for practice and feedback later on. But if you are seeing this or hearing this within 24 hours of when we're doing this live, then you can also get feedback from me. I'm just doing a bit of a test. I have set up a video ask. Now, since it's just a test, I'm just doing the video ask free plan. So there is a limitation. When we hit that limitation, then then I won't be able to do any more, right? But until we hit that limitation, if you submit an answer to the video ask in the link in the description, then you can get free feedback on your speaking from me. But I want to be clear, it's not just me. I'm using, the reason I'm doing it is I'm, I'm working on a method of, u- of using AI to do feedback checked by myself. And I think it'll be, I think, very interesting. So you're kind of helping me test, actually. And you're getting some feedback. So feel free to submit that. You have to, you have to use your email for that. Uh, so you have to be okay with that, of course. But um, check that out if you like. You can also join the Discord, which is free to join. 
The Discord is a community for uh, language learners to share stuff and talk and chat and whatever, or just sit there and, and join and then do nothing, <laughs> which is like most people, honestly, at this point. I don't know. I'm still figuring out the Discord dynamics. I don't know. Why would you join a Discord and then not even say hi, right? But hey, what do I know? Say hi, introduce yourself. Join the conversation for crying out loud. What else? Anything else? I think that might be about it. Um, we might get to some questions along the way, perhaps. Uh, oh, Diablo 4, which is a video game that I really enjoy. Actually, it's a game that my wife and I really like to play together. They have recently released a demo, so we're very excited to play that today. That's sort of one of our things that we do as a couple. We play video games, and we, we play very specific video games. Ones that you can play as a couple, which is a specific genre called, I think, couch co-op. And there are some good ones. Uh, one really good one is It Takes Two which is about a couple who are going through a divorce and then they're turned into dolls and then they have to go through all kinds of adventures. It's sort of a puzzle-solving game, but you have to collaborate to solve the puzzles. So that's pretty interesting. And another one that's really good is, uh, uh, what's it called? Sackboy, I think is what it's called. That one's pretty good as well. Um, Sackboy something something great adventure. But then the classic, the classic is Diablo. Um, just, you know, slaying demons in the bowels of hell. Super fun. Super fun. And yeah, we, that, so we're, we're definitely excited about that. <laughs> All right. So let's get into it, shall we? Let's get into it, shall we? I know we're later than usual today, but you know what? Who really, who really cares? Who cares? So we're going to talk a bit about feedback. I would go as far as to say that if you do not get some kind of feedback as you continue your English learning journey, your journey toward English mastery and fluency, if you aren't getting feedback as you move along, then you're not going to make it. That's how far I would go. And why is this? Here's what happens with a single person doing something on their own, even if they're very self-critical. At some point, you reach this limit where you're living inside of the world of your limits and you can't see anything outside of that because it's outside of what you can see. So, when you're practicing, if you can record yourself and listen and give yourself feedback and be objective, that's all great. But at some point, you may reach a level where no matter how hard you try, no matter how objective you are, you're kind of plateauing, reaching a wall. You may think to yourself at this point, well, that's as high as I can go. I've reached, I can't improve anymore. It's frustrating, but hey, maybe this is just the limit. A person like me can't do any better. Or maybe you've sort of been living in this now bubble that's reached its limit. 
a local maximum where unless you get something from the outside, a perspective from the outside, you will be basically stuck here. And it's something I see surprisingly often where you get into these routines and these habits and then you get stuck and then you feel like, well, that's just how it is without thinking, well, actually, that may not be how it is. Maybe I just need to try a new tactic, try a new angle. And that new angle often comes in the form of feedback. Now, is feedback supposed to make you feel good and comfortable? No. Feedback is supposed to be uncomfortable because it is showing you where your weaknesses lie. So if you're plateauing and feeling pretty comfortable with all the things you've been doing up to this point, it's quite possible that you're a little too comfortable and that comfort has forced you to kind of be this complacent, non-improving English learner who just likes to learn for fun but isn't really making any progress. So you need to make yourself a little uncomfortable and you need to start building outside feedback loops into your practice, into whatever it is you're doing to improve your English. A feedback loop, of course, is when you do something and then somebody or something gives you some feedback about that and then that comes back to you and then you then use that or integrate that into the next thing that you do. It's called a feedback loop and it's vital, very important. Now, again, I think everyone should try to give themselves feedback. I think that's very useful, even though it does have limitations. So, okay, what if you're ready to, to then get feedback in different areas of your English? And I'm going to share with you what those areas might be. Who, where can you look? So a few different places. You might, number one, look to fellow learners. Maybe you know someone who's also working on their English. Maybe that's a colleague or a classmate, or a friend. Well, you might say, yes, but they're not a native English speaker. It can still be useful. Why? Because this problem is you're living in a bubble. So as long as you're getting feedback from someone who's outside of your bubble, you're getting new stuff. Now, if their level of English is very, very low, much lower than yours, maybe not the best idea. But if you're even close in your English levels with a, that colleague and you know that they want to improve their English too, you might set up an agreement where you practice at specific inter intervals, maybe doing the same task, whether it's writing or speaking or whatever, and then you give each other feedback. It's really beneficial because it creates accountability, right? Some useful pressure, that's good. But also, they might know some things that you don't know, and you might know some things that they don't know. And you're also learning by listening to how well they're speaking or how well they're writing. And they're, they're learning as well. So actually, having an English buddy can be extremely useful if you set that relationship up in the right way. Now, that's not the only way to do it. You may also get feedback from a professional. Now, this should be probably a professional English teacher, someone who's experienced in identifying issues 
that you cannot you see, right? And and I want to stress here that not every native English speaker is good at giving feedback. That's the reason why English teachers exist. And not every English teacher is good at giving feedback either, by the way. So the value of an English teacher who's really good at what they do is that they can find or identify the things that you're doing that you have zero awareness of. And they can say that, that, and that because A, B, and C. And then suddenly you see a whole new landscape of possibilities. You can't see it yourself because you can't see everything. But a professional who's really good at what they're good at can. And so it is vital, 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 vital to get some outside feedback from someone who really knows their stuff. Okay. Now, in this way, I think it is probably worth paying a teacher. But I would just mention before you choose one, make sure that they are able to give very specific feedback and not very general feedback. If you ever hear a teacher say, work on your pronunciation or anything like that, don't, don't pay them any money. And that's my advice. It has to be very specific. They need to be able to identify exactly what you need to improve. Okay. Now we've talked about people, but what about tools and platforms? Yes, absolutely. We've talked a lot about ChatGPT. ChatGPT is great for giving you feedback on your grammar, on your writing to help you correct your emails, right? If you want to write something practicing grammar, you can say, is this grammatically correct? Or can you give me several variations of this? Or can you explain the grammar of this sentence? And ChatGPT will happily do that. So yes, use tools. Grammarly can be good too. You can learn a lot about things like punctuation with Grammarly. I'm not going to necessarily recommend any specific tools here other than ChatGPT and Grammarly. But if you find something that is useful to you and is constantly giving you that slightly uncomfortable feeling, that feeling of I, uh, that's the thing I need to work on next, if it's helping you in that way, go for it, right? But there isn't any one specific tool that is perfect for everybody. But there are tools and platforms out there that you can and should use, again, as long as they're pushing you forward and showing you where your weak area areas are, showing you where you need to really improve, okay? So the next thing for you to do, I think, is Plan out, map out maybe the general areas you need feedback, which ones are most relevant to you, and then start building a plan. You might want to get feedback on your writing accuracy. You might want to get feedback on your grammar usage. You might want to get feedback on your speaking fluency. Maybe you want to get feedback on your overall pronunciation, right? The pronunciation of specific sounds. Maybe you need feedback on the structure and impact of whether it's speech or in writing of how you express yourself in English. Maybe feedback on your use of vocabulary. Could you be choosing more accurate and specific words? 
right? Any of those areas and others, think about what those most critical areas are for you and then start building a plan that includes, very importantly, that includes feedback loops, right? That means something coming from the outside, outside of your awareness that is coming back to you that you can then integrate into the practice that you're doing. And I would say if you feel totally comfortable every day when you study English, that's a problem. You should always be a little bit uncomfortable, okay? So if you have any questions about this, let me know. If you haven't already done so, don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe. And also check out my free course, Natural English Conversations, in the links in the description. All right. All right. Uh, ChatGPT is cool because it's so flexible. And really its main weakness at the moment, from what I can tell, is in things like pronunciation, things that you would get by listening to speech, right? There is Whisper, that is a uh, one, of, one of the language models uh, from OpenAI, but I'm not sure which tools or platforms out there use Whisper and whether or not those tools are optimized for uh, giving feedback on pronunciation, for example. I think, and some people will not be happy to hear this, but I think the best one, honestly, 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 is Google's widget is the best one. So let's take a look at some phrases, words and phrases that we can learn from, well, any TV show, but in this case, my 600 pound life. We are going to go through this slowly, pause occasionally, pick out some useful phrases and then talk about how they can be used naturally, all right? So let's take a look. If you haven't ever seen My 600 Pound Life, it is, it's one of those shows, one of those shows that's kind of extremely entertaining. You can't stop watching it, but at the same time, kind of sad because, well, it's sad. People are addicted to food for whatever reason, and it seems to be very traumatic. So it's both entertaining and very sad at the same time, which is which is crazy. All right. Anyway, let's let's listen. Is her messages? Okay. Now I'm the receptionist at a doctor's office, and I'm only able to do that because I can sit most of the day. And when I get there, it's never too early for lunch. All right. So let's stop there. It's never too early for lunch. In her case, that means she's very excited about, about lunchtime. She loves lunchtime. But what is that phrase, it's never too early? What does that mean? If you say it's never too early, that could be in regards to an addiction right? It's never too early for a drink, you know, someone who loves to drink. But it could also be in regards to anticipation for other things, right? And in this case, never too early in the day. It's often used like that, things that happen 
in the day, right, in the day. But you could do it early in terms of seasons as well, right? Yeah, I would say it's never too early to start thinking about your garden. Well, okay, February, is that too early? No, it's never too early. Well, what does that really mean when you say that? Does that mean you're addicted to gardening? In that case, no. It means that planning is good, and if you really enjoy gardening, then maybe you should start early, or maybe it's a good thing to start early. There's nothing wrong with starting early, right? So actually what that's really saying is, I really enjoy doing that, <laughs> right? So if there's something that's kind of time-sensitive, and you might want to do that earlier than some people would say is normal or good, and you want to say, it doesn't matter, maybe it's never too early, is a great phrase to use. In her case, she loves lunch, so it's never too early for lunch. Is 7 a.m. too early for lunch? I would say so, but what do I know? Lunch motivates me a lot. But I'm getting to where soon I won't even be able to go to work. And I just can't believe I let this happen. I know All my right. weight's out of control. I let this happen. Let's go back to that part and listen to it again. I can't believe I let this happen. And I just can't believe I let this happen. Hear that? I know my weight's out of control I now. can't believe I let this happen. So if you can't believe something, well, that means it's surprising to you. It shocks you, it terrifies you, you can't believe it. Sometimes we say, I can't believe it in a good way, bad way, either way. How did you let this happen? Usually this is when something bad happens and we didn't do anything to stop it from happening. So it could be, I let this happen and I'm disappointed in myself. I can't believe I let this happen. How could you let this happen when you want to blame someone? How could you have let this happen? You were responsible for maybe watching everyone's bags. One of them got stolen. You were supposed to be watching them while we all uh, went into the shop. What? How could you have let this happen? So it's actually a really useful sentence. Again, often used to talk about when things go wrong, when things go badly, right? Again, I can't believe is an option there, can be used or perhaps not. It's also used to talk about blame. How could you have let this happen? Okay, All right, let's, let's keep going here. And my body's getting to a breaking point. But right, listen my weight's for that. out of breaking control point. now. And my body's getting to a breaking point. My weight is out of control now, right? And my body is getting to a breaking point. And my body is getting to a breaking point. And I just can't believe I let this happen. I know my weight's out of control now. And my I know my weight is out of control now. If something is out of control, you can't control it. Okay, straightforward enough. I think we know that one, right? If your weight is out of control, that means you're eating too much, you can't control your diet, you're gaining weight. My body is getting to a breaking point. My body is getting to a breaking point. Well, what is a breaking point for your body? Well, it depends on what's happening. If you're a bodybuilder and you're pushing yourself too hard and it could result in a heart attack or snapping a muscle or some horrible 
thing that could happen to a bodybuilder, then you're pushing yourself too far in that way and you're reaching a breaking point. So you're getting close to a point where some irreversible damage is going to happen. Some damage that's so bad that it cannot be reversed. Now, in this case, she's not a bodybuilder. She is very obese. And so what is her breaking point? Well, her breaking point, again, might she might have severe diabetes. She could have a stroke. She could have a heart attack. Things associated with being very, very overweight, right? But you can have all kinds of breaking points. You could have breaking points in relationships. We're getting to a breaking point in our marriage. Does that mean you're there? No, but you're very close. And what is that thing you're getting close to? Well, you're getting close to something really bad happening, right? And when that happens, it will be broken and it can't be reversed. Then it's just done. And that's bad, right? So a breaking point, and let me, let me put that up actually. I forgot to put that up. A breaking point is this thing that cannot be reversed, okay? And it's kind of like Milestone, which we talked about in our news video, if you watch that one. Milestone is a thing we want to get to. Breaking point, uh, no, that's usually going down, sliding downward. Not a good thing, not good. But it is so hard for me to stop eating. If I did not have to keep a time clock, I would spend more time focused on food. She has to keep a time clock, apparently, meaning that apparently she has to prevent herself from eating all the time with a timer. Okay. Smells like it's about done. Okay, no. So she looks like she's at home. It wears on him. That okay, scares so me. She's at Walk home. Smells like it's about done. I'm going to check it. Smells like it's about done. What's done? The food, the meal. I think so. On top of that, I'm afraid in my marriage. We're not going to write that down, but on top of that is the same as saying additionally. It's less formal. It sounds more natural, right? On top of that. It will fall apart because of my weight problem. She One said day her he marriage. Because of my weight problem. On top of that, I'm afraid that my marriage will fall apart because of my weight problem. My marriage will fall apart because of my weight problem. One day he can walk out. It's done. Perfect. Okay, what do we got and here? Breadsticks. There's some breadsticks there. Looks like some garlic breadsticks, and that looks like some sort of baked cheesy pasta dish. Does not look very healthy. There's me to death. Look like it came together pretty good. Oh, yeah. I know he loves me more than anything in the world, but I know... It wears on him. Okay. It wears on him. But maybe we can say fall apart and wears on him, right? Let's, let's, let's review this part again here. There are a couple interesting things here. One day he can walk out. It's done. Perfect. Because of my weight problem. Wait, did we miss? One day he can walk out. Fall apart. Where's the fall apart? On top of that, I am afraid that my marriage will fall apart because of my weight problem. Okay, so let's do fall apart first and then talk about something wearing on you. Okay, so what does it mean if something is falling apart? 
So if something falls apart, it's not the same as breaking point. Breaking point is the specific point where it goes wrong, right? And there's irreversible damage. Whereas fall apart is more of a gradual process, kind of slowly happening. And then eventually, as a result of things slowly happening for the worse, it falls apart. Well, what falls apart? Maybe your career falls apart. Maybe your health falls apart. I feel like I'm falling apart physically. That means maybe you're not in very good health. Your marriage could fall apart. Your friendships could fall apart. Your plans for your great vacation to wherever, to Greece, are falling apart for a number of different reasons. So we're not really focusing on the reasons here. We're, we're focusing on this feeling of this crumbling as a result of something or things that have gone wrong. When your plans for your trip to Greece fall apart, maybe that's because there are some new restrictions or maybe there's a visa issue or maybe uh, someone gets sick or who knows what happens. Your plans fall apart. If your marriage falls apart, then it could be a result of many years of problems in your marriage, right? But it, it does emphasize this feeling of not being a breaking point necessarily, but this slow collapse, especially in the case of a marriage. Okay, now the other one we were going to look at here is it wears on him. So listen for this one. One day he can walk out. It's done. Perfect. And that scares me to death. Look like it came together pretty good. Oh, yeah. I know he loves me more than anything in the world, but I know it wears on him. Okay. He loves me more than anything in the world, but I know it wears on him. What wears on him? Well, her unhealthy lifestyle wears on him. The fact that she's addicted to eating and that she's extremely unhealthy as a result. And it seems to be causing problems in their marriage. And if something wears on you, this is again emphasizing this gradual, slow accumulation of negative things, right? After you spend maybe five minutes around you is great, but after an hour, it starts to wear on me. You know, one of those people who's, I don't know, too high energy or just just can't stop making uh, dumb jokes. Whatever happens to annoy you over time, that person may start to wear on you in a social setting, right? What else could wear on you? Again, maybe you have a job for 10 years and, you know, in the first 10 years, it's not bad, but gradually it just starts to make you feel tired and exhausted and depressed day after day. It's really starting to wear on me doing something I don't enjoy every single day of the week in my little office cubicle. It's really starting to wear on me. Okay, so this is like a corrosive effect. Okay, so again, wearing on him could be the result of their marriage falling apart. Okay, let's keep going here. Because our relationship is so strained. I miss my husband terribly bad. But when I get hungry, none of that matters. Food is my highest priority. Food is my highest priority. 
Yikes. And I have to have whatever I'm craving. Again, this show is called My 600-Pound Life. It's on TLC. You can find clips of it on YouTube. It's, again, fascinating to watch. Especially after a long day. I tend to get irritated waiting for it because all day long I've built it up. I want this. I really, really want this. But Chris is helping me. She's definitely, it's, it's a lot of carbs. We've got, it looks like a baked spaghetti or some kind of pasta, cheese on top and then breadsticks. Slow motion. I mean, I want to be able to eat. I'm so consumed with... Okay, let's listen to that one. Listen to consumed here. I mean, I want to be able to eat. I'm so... I want to be able to, to eat. So consumed with let me have it. I'm consumed with let me have it. Okay, let's talk about consumed. If you're consumed by something, and by is the right, the right word to use after consumed, then it almost completely fills your mind and you can't think of anything else, right? I'm consumed by my work or by my obsession with, I don't know, some TV show, right? If you're a and it doesn't have to be a long-term thing. Maybe for several weeks, you're totally consumed uh, with One Piece or something like that. You, you just want to watch that all day, every day, and nothing else. That's what you want to do. You could say you're consumed by it. If you start neglecting other things, it doesn't even have to be neglecting things you're supposed to do, but you're, you're just not thinking about things. You're not balanced. You're totally focused on this you can say that you are consumed by it. We often hear the phrase consumed by greed. Well, this is more of an attitude. You're so obsessed with money and getting more and having as much as you can then that you don't consider the impact of what you're doing on the rest of the world. You're consumed by greed. That is a very common criticism that you hear of, uh, of, of maybe people who are seen as greedy, right? Well, in this case, she con she's consumed by wanting to have dinner and wanting her husband to hurry up and finish so that she can have her dinner. She says it in an interesting way, in a way that we typically don't use it. Let's review that here. Let's review this. In slow motion, I mean, I want to be able to eat. I'm so consumed with, let me have it. Oh, right. She says consumed, consumed with. Consumed by is definitely more common. Consumed with, it is okay too. But by is definitely more common. And then she says consumed with, let me have it. So she's using the phrase to explain the thought of, I want it, get, let me have it, let me have it. As what she's consumed with. She's consumed by that thought. Um, not as common as saying I'm cons consumed by thoughts of hunger or consumed by my appetite, for example, I think would be uh, more common, more common. All right, let's keep going here. And then when I finally get to it, Chris is not here. All it is, is me and that chicken and pasta. It is everything. Wow, she seems very into it. So if something is everything, you hear this phrase a lot recently. It's everything to me. That could be because you're consumed by something. That could be. 
But if something is everything to you, it's a high priority. You really care about it. It doesn't actually have to consume your life in an unhealthy way, right? You could say, for example, my, uh, my, my Lego hobby is everything to me. Well, that doesn't mean that I'm willing to sacrifice other parts of my life for my Lego hobby. What it means is it's very important to me. So I could say this phrase, it's everything. That is everything. This is everything to me, which is increasing in, in I would say, increasing in popularity. It's becoming more common is not meant to be actually everything. It's not meant literally. It's more like saying is important to me, right? Now, I think in her case, she's crying when she says it. So it's even more extreme for her, I would say. She feels very strongly about it. But generally speaking, when we say it's everything to me, what we mean is it, it's very important to me. Okay, let's rewatch that little part right there. It is everything. It's almost, it's like everything. And you often hear everything to me after it, to me. A relationship. It's a relationship. I actually think she likes food too much. Something does need to change immediately. I'll be willing to do anything to get my wife back the way she was before. Get my wife back. I would do anything to get my wife back. My life has changed night and day entirely because of my Okay. Last one. My life has changed night and day. This is a really useful one. My life has changed night and day. Let's let's rewatch that part here. My life has changed night and day entirely because of my weight. My life has changed night and day because of my weight. So if your if your life changes night and day or if something changes night and day or it is night and day, you're talking about high contrast between two things. And that could be weight loss. Wow. It's night and day how you look compared to six months ago. Very, very different, right? Or maybe you've been working on your English, practicing your English, working with maybe a teacher. And someone you talk to says, wow, you've improved so much. It's night and day. It's night and day. Instead of saying, wow, it's very different. It's night and day is a really common, very useful way to highlight contrast between something before and something after. Usually it's used for before and after, but you could be looking at two things side by side and say also it's it's night and day, right? Maybe you're looking at an original painting and then a copy of the painting. And to you, it's so obvious which one is the one done by a true master and which one is the copy. When I look at these two paintings side by side, I mean, it's night and day. That means it's so clear. The contrast between the two is so obvious that you don't need to tell me, right? It's very, very clear. Okay. So again, this is my 600 pound life. These reality shows, I think, offer a lot of interesting language that you can kind of pick out. I mean, we've just been looking at about two minutes of video and we've picked out this many phrases that are also very, very common. So let me know if you have any questions about these. If you haven't already done so, don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe. And also feel free to get a free breadstick. No, not a free breadstick to get a free course, Natural English Conversations. That is in the links in the
description. Okay. Gillen Sun says she needs keto with intermittent fasting. I think that's probably a good strategy. I think there's something about wheat and carbs that gets very, very addicting. And when people get really, really have high carb diets, they sort of get hooked on carbs and they create carbs, eating a lot of carbs. And I think especially wheat makes you crave more carbs. You want more, you want more. And uh, that leads to this sort of negative feedback loop uh, that in this case seems to be affecting her health. So this show, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's really interesting. It, they, they, work, they are trying to help these people who uh, weigh 500, 600 pounds. And generally, they want to do the surgery that uh, makes the stomach smaller. They remove part of the stomach. I can't remember what that's called. It's called a gastric bypass. I think that's what that's called. So they want to do the gastric bypass surgery. And so it's this struggle to get them down to a certain target weight so they can do the gastric bypass surgery. Often they're in this sort of a place where they're supposed to be losing weight, but they're secretly eating. They're not able to control their weight. And it's this huge ordeal. And I think it's, it's again, both highly entertaining, also very sad, and um, highlights just how crazy food is in the United States. We have such high-calorie junk food available everywhere. It's ubiquitous, and it's not necessarily the case all over the world. In America in particular, we have such high-calorie food, and it's so everywhere that uh, it's not that rare to see very, very obese people. And I think there's also trauma involved. You know, the food and eating is what you what you turn to to help deal with some trauma that you have. A lot of the stories in these shows, these episodes, there's some trauma in their lives. And instead of doing meth or something, they're, you know, turning to food. Salim says, where are you from? I'm from the United States. Muxlisas is from Uzbekistan. Glad film. Hey, what's the title? Is there a way to get feedback? And then maybe I don't know. It's just because I just joined. Uh, she needs, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Uh, we don't have breadsticks in Ukraine, fortunately. Yeah, that does seem to be fortunate. So on the topic of feedback, yes. In the links in the description, you will see a link to a video ask, okay? Uh, now, I want to be cautious here because this is not a forever thing. It is temporary for now. I'm kind of just testing this out, right? And I'm also, because I'm just testing it, on the free plan of video ask. So if you go to that link, the video ask, and you complete that, speaking or writing, you have to send your email there. I will email you back with feedback on what you said. And if it reaches the limit, then I'm sorry, it's sort of first come first serve, but check it out. Uh, I will I will be able to give you some, some feedback. Uh, uh, and this will not be relevant to those who are watching or listening later, but because I am testing something, it might be something we can do way more of in the future. Okay.
So what we're going to do now is we're going to take a look at an app called Practica, which is to help you practice English, it's called Practica, and it uses AI to generate and have conversations. So we're going to check that out, okay? So I'm gonna hop over here to to here oops that's not where i want to be there we go that's where i want to be hey why is this black over here hey 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 why is that like that this should be in the middle hold on let me move this oh there we go okay okay so this is Practica and the unique thing about it is that when you practice, you're practicing with an AI bot rather than just preset answers. The old way of doing bots is over, right? So let's test it out. I've got my phone here and on the screen. So we're gonna go to, let's go to, uh, why, don't we why don't we just do the warm up? okay? So the warm up I have at the bottom here, practice results profile. And the warm up, we are what we eat under B1. Hello, Cloud, how are you? Okay, so there's a guy who's just talking to me. He's a character here and I can speak. I'm doing pretty well, although earlier I drank too much tea too fast and it actually caused me to choke and lose my voice, which was unpleasant. Okay, it's got everything. Oh no, I'm sorry to hear that. I hope you're feeling better now. Are you ready to start our English warm-up lesson? Today's topic is, we are what we eat. Do you agree? Argue or partially agree with this statement? Okay, argue, I'm not sure. Oh, I think argue there would be do you agree, disagree, or partially agree with this statement. And look, it's making a comment, or he's making a comment on what I said, right? So it feels more conversational than a standard bot, right? Because, because he's actually responding to what I said about choking on the tea. I partially agree with this. I think we are what we eat in the sense that the food we eat turns into energy that we can use. But I also don't think that we are simply the sum of our parts. I think we're much more than that. Okay, that looks pretty accurate. That's a great point, Cloud. Our diet definitely plays a big role in our overall health and well-being, but there are many other factors that contribute to who we are as individuals. So Can you give me an there. example of how the food we eat affects our energy levels? Um, okay, sure. I say that food we are eat have some good infect 
of the energy level of us if we eating high proteins foods then we are having more energies over the long term but if we are eating more of the carbonation we are having more of the short-term energy i decided to try some incorrect english lots of incorrect english and make my answer much longer i understand what you're trying to say cloud you're right that the food we eat can have an impact on our energy levels eating high protein foods can provide us with sustained energy over a longer period of time while consuming sugary or carbonated drinks may give us a quick burst of energy but it won't last very long so it's important to have a balanced diet that includes all the necessary nutrients for our body to function properly and maintain good health very true very true so true all right so that's actually a good response it's kind of responding to what i was saying and helping me summarize but now what i would want to have is is a follow-up question right so i need to be prompted in order to answer so now what am i supposed to do so i would say he, at this point we've got to have a follow-up question to con to continue because i happen to know that english learners very much struggle with what should i say next right so here is maybe a point to um, a point to improve yes Great. Can you give me an example of a balanced meal that includes all the necessary nutrients? Oh, we got a, we've got a loading here. Still loading? I heard what he said, but okay, here we go. And we can also translate this. I put my native language as Spanish, so I can translate that. Excelente. Okay. I would say that a balanced meal may including vegetable, cotton candy, Pepsi, pizza, chocolate muffins, and bagels. I'm just trying to get a sense for the breadth of the scope of the conversation. I want to know how constrained the conversation is. I see is. what you're trying to say, no. but I think there might be some confusion. Okay, we're getting some While feedback here. While all of those here. foods can be enjoyable in moderation, they don't necessarily make up a balanced meal that includes all the necessary nutrients. Oh, so it's actually not just a giving me English A balanced meal feedback. should include a variety of but, food groups but such as dietary feedback, e.g. chicken, <laughs> fish, complex carbohydrates, okay, e.g. brown about rice, chocolate muffins? quinoa, healthy fats, e.g. Okay. avocado, nuts, and plenty of fruits and vegetables for vitamins and minerals. For example, grilled chicken breast with roasted sweet yes, potatoes and broccoli on the side would make a well-balanced meal that provides protein, complex carbs, and fiber-rich veggies for essential nutrients. Does this make sense? So what I think is interesting here is that it is responding to what I'm saying. In other words, the content of what I'm saying, it clearly understands, and it is responding in a specific way. Now, is that response necessarily realistic? Um, to me, it doesn't feel super conversational. I think it could be honed a bit more to be uh, more intuitive in 
how a real conversation would feel. And also, here we have dietary feedback, which again is fine, but where the value is for this, because it knows what I'm saying, it understands what I'm saying, I think the key value is, all right, but I did make some mistakes there. I made some deliberate English mistakes, and maybe we'll get those later as the session continues, but I would like to see some, maybe as we go, by the way, uh, don't forget that when you say I, uh, you have to agree with that, right? The verb that follows that or whatever it is, the feedback you want to share, right? But okay, okay, all right, let's, let's keep going here. That makes sense to me, sir. Great. Do you have any questions or would you like me to explain anything further? Do you think that you could give me some feedback and corrections on my English? Of course, I'd be happy to help. Here are a few corrections. When you said, I say that. Food. We. Are. Eat. It would be more natural to say, I think that the food we eat has an impact on us. Instead of saying, have some good effect of the energy level, you could say, has a positive effect on our energy levels. When you said, if we're eating high protein foods then we are having more energies over the long term, it would sound better if you said, eating high protein foods can provide us with sustained energy over a longer period of time. Overall, your English is good and understandable. Keep practicing and don't hesitate to ask me any questions or for further clarification if needed. Okay, so that's interesting because that feedback is accurate. That's good feedback. I did say if we eating, and I also said good in fact. I deliberately said that. I deliberately made that mistake. So what I would like to see there is it would be cool if that popped up while we're having the conversation or or maybe a, a thing that says hey do you want to get some feedback on what you just said maybe as an option again i don't know what's going to happen after the lesson right so uh uh but that's good feedback i mean that's solid feedback that based on what i said that is definitely definitely useful uh thank you you're All welcome right, so is there anything else you'd like to discuss or practice so in this, English? Is this going to complete the lesson if I say no? Nope, nothing. All right, then. It was great talking with you today. Keep okay, up the so good work and don't hesitate to reach out if you need any further assistance. I like that it ends, if this ends automatically. Have a great day. Thank you. Have a great day. So if this actually closes the you session, too. hey, there. Okay, so that's pretty cool. Instead of having this thing where you have to end the lesson or just suddenly ends, it ends conversationally. That is actually quite, quite cool. So I think that this has a lot of, I think this is cool and it's good if you're asking for feedback as a tool, I think it's a very useful tool, right? I would like to see a bit more naturalness in the conversation itself, uh, in the flow of the conversation. And I would like to see a bit more sort of baked in feedback throughout, but 
um, pretty cool and feels much more realistic than, you know, just just recording some practice and yeah, not quite at the level of a phone call or a call with a teacher, but the quality of the feedback is probably pretty close to what you would get from a from a teacher. So if I click finish lesson, let's see. I'm going to continue without the report. I can I think pay to get the report. Okay, and maybe if I pay then I get the I get some some uh, analytics or uh, some analysis of my speaking. But anyway, pretty interesting. Check out Practica. Let me know what you think, if you find it to be useful, or if you find any other interesting tools that you want me to check out, to review, to look at. I'm always on the lookout for uh, interesting tools that are using especially using AI. I think um, I think it's a really cool time to be kind of testing the limits of things like GPT-3, GPT-4, chat GPT. And I think this is a, a pretty, pretty interesting effort. So uh, let me know if you have any questions. If you haven't already done so, don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe. And also check out my free courses in the links in the description. All right. English TTR. Hi, teacher. How's it going? Hello. It's going well. How are you? How are you? Okay, let's hop back over here, shall we? Um, we don't have breadsticks. Okay. As a native Russian speaker, I had a gut feeling that this app might be taking roots. Uh, what? Okay, I have no idea. I have no clue. All right. Well, I do want to cover one more thing today. And if anyone has who's here with us live has any questions that they would like to ask about pronunciation, idioms, culture, grammar, whatever it may be, feel free to let me know. But in the meantime, we're going to talk a little bit about lay and the lie. Lay and lie. Okay. Oops. Yeah, speaking of lay and lie, there we go. <laughs> we don't need that yellow, yellow background. So, lay and lie are very often confused because of their very similar meanings and because they're often, well, pretty often used interchangeably in some situations, right? Aside from what's correct, native English speakers use incorrect English all the time, all the time. And so you may find it even more difficult to understand when should I use lay, L-A-Y, and when should I use lie, L-I-E, and what's the difference between them? Because I hear native speakers using both in both in the same situation. What's going on? Yeah, it's, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Not everything makes sense, right? 
But I think what we can do is look at a few specific examples that can help us understand, right? And also the definitions. So why don't we start with lay? The word lay, L-A-Y, means to put or place something or someone, for example, a baby or a cat, down on the ground, on a table, on some kind of surface, usually. Not always, but usually. Okay? That is how it's used. So, I am laying the baby down in the crib. So, what's happening when I say this? Well, what's happening is that I am placing this baby, or it could be in anything, right? I am doing an action, and there's a recipient of the action. And the recipient of the action is called the direct object. So the baby is the direct object of the verb, which is lay. So if you understand that, there's a, a subject, and then there's the verb lay, and then there is something that's getting that action lay, right? Lay is the right thing to use. Lay is the right word, right? For example, please lay the book on the table. It would be incorrect to say, please lie the book on the table. Because lie has a different meaning and is used slightly differently. So the book is the direct object. Lay is the verb that the subject is doing, also known as the predicate. And please do that, right, is essentially saying, you please do that. But when we're making requests, we can phrase it slightly differently, okay? Because you could say, right, she lays the baby down to rest, okay? Not she lies the baby down to rest. Yesterday, I laid the clothes on the bed. Now, this is the past tense of lay, L-A-I-D. So if you want to use the past tense, you or someone or something is doing the action of laying in the past, laid, what is the direct object? The clothes, where? On the bed. So the bed is not the direct object. The clothes are the direct object. Okay, so if that's the situation, right, where you have that basic structure of verb followed by direct object, it's probably going to be lay. But <laughs> this is where you will hear people say things like, I'm going to, I'm going to lay down for a while. You hear it all the time. I say it sometimes, right? So technically, yeah, you would have to say, well, I'm going to lay down. Well, down, down where? What do you mean? What's the direct object there? Mm, there isn't one. Oh, so it should be, I, sh I'm, I should lie down then, right? Yes, but people still say it. So anyway, let's explore lie, and then we'll kind of get back to this, to this question of, you know, when we should use which and which one is correct and using it, whether it's correct or not. Okay, so let's talk about lie. Lie means to, to recline, sort of backward, or be in the position of resting. Right? You're on the ground, you're on a nice comfy, comfy chair, but reclining. So if you're sitting up like me, I would not say I am currently lying 
in the chair. I'm not, but if my chair was tilted way back, then I might say that. Now, notice I'm saying lying, not laying. Well, isn't that the same as you told a lie, that lying? Yes. So same spelling, L-I-E. I told a lie. Did you just lie to me? Okay, is that the same meaning as this lie? No, it's totally different meaning, same spelling. It gets more crazy because the ing is also the same. You're lying to me. That means you're telling me a lie right now. You're lying on the sofa. Also correct, right? But that lying on the sofa doesn't mean you're telling lies on the sofa. It means that you're reclining or laying back on the sofa, right? I'm tired, so I'm going to lie down on the sofa, to lie down on the couch. Not lay down, but lie down. The cat was lying down on the windowsill enjoying the sun. Again, lying, L-Y-I-N-G, the same spelling and pronunciation of lying as in you're lying to me. You're lying to me as you are lying there on the sofa, right? Stop lying and lying. <laughs> That's grammatically correct, but it sounds a little bit weird because it's so close together, right? Okay, so this now brings us back to this question of why then do I hear so many people say something like, I'm going to go lay down for a nap? Because native speakers use incorrect language all the time. And yes, it is maybe incorrect, and I put that in quotes, but that doesn't mean it's not common, right? Because people do all kinds of things. Native English speakers say etc. and expresso instead of etc. and espresso. There are rules, there's grammar, and then there's natural, fluent, native-sounding English speech. And that doesn't necessarily follow the rules all the time. So if you said, hey, that's wrong, don't say that, they might say, I, you know what, I don't care. <laughs> so I'm telling you so that you know, but at some point... If, you know, you decide because you know the difference, you just decide you want to say, I'm going to go lay down for a nap, who am I to say? As long as you know the difference, who am I to say? You're wrong, you can't say that, right? First, you have to know the rules, and then you can break them. That's, that's I think, what Picasso says. Know the rules, know, learn the rules, master the rules, learn the rules like a master, so that you can break them like an artist, something along those lines, okay? So that's the basic idea. So saying, I'm going to lay down for a nap, technically incorrect, although very common, but I'm going to lay the baby down for a nap, correct and common, okay? So hopefully that's clear. If you're not clear on it or you have any questions, let me know in the comments. Also, if you haven't already done so, don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe. And also, check out my free course, Natural English Conversations, in the links in the description. Okay. Uh, so you can practice pronouncing words that start with ADV, like advice, advise, advent, advent, adverb, advent, adv 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 can you practice? Do you want me to say those for you? Is that what you, you're asking? 
you would like me to pronounce those for you? Is that correct? Okay. We've covered quite a bit here, I think. We've talked about feedback. And again, if you want to, if you're, if you're getting this fresh, if you want to check out that video ask link, go ahead and do that. We talked about some useful phrases from my 600 pound life. We talked about the difference between lay and lie. We looked at Practica, the app about um, the app for practicing English. And so I think we covered quite a bit today. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. I, I might have had a topic about St. Patrick, Patrick's Day if I had realized that it was uh, uh, earlier than a couple hours ago. I, I'm not good at tracking holidays at all. I'm terrible. If you ask me, hey, when's Mother's Day? I have no idea. If you say, hey, when's Father's Day? I don't know. When's St. Patrick's Day? I don't know. When's Valentine's Day? Eh, I think it's in February, but I don't know exactly when. I don't know. I don't know. I know when Thanksgiving is. I know when my birthday is. I know when my anniversary is. What do you want from me? <laughs> okay. Um, sometimes when a T letter is followed by a vowel, it sounds to me like an R. For example, whatever. Wherever. No. Uh, Gillinson, I, I don't think that's that's correct, but I can speak about that. I know what you're talking about. I just disagree that it sounds like an R. Okay. Okay. So let me let me pop up Gillinson's question here because it, it is a it is a, a good question. It is a good question. Okay. Okay. Yes. So Gillinson says sometimes when a T letter is followed by a vowel. It sounds like an R sound, for example, whatever, and then in brackets, wherever, that R-I, huh? I'm not sure what you mean by that one. Is there any truth to that? And the answer is no. The answer is no if you say that the R sound is er. Now, if you are a native Japanese speaker, then I would say yes. <laughs> so it depends on the native language you speak and what you regard the R sound to be. If we're saying that it sounds like the English R sound, the answer is absolutely not. However, for example, in Japanese, the R sound is uh, kind of like that. I mean, I'm not an expert in Japanese, but it's like a like practice would be practice or something like that. Put it, put it, put it, there's a little put it, put it. Okay, so what is that? Well, that is the way that R is pronounced, but not in English. So the way that R is pronounced in English is er. And when we, well, okay, I should say generally uh or er. American English is er where the tongue is curled quite far back in the mouth. And then, for example, in British English, it tends to be less curled, right? 
So it might be less of a practice and it's more of a practice practice. I can't even say it. I don't have a very good British accent, but it might be definitely less obvious. But it's but so what we're talking about here, though, is neither of those. Okay, so this one, this T sound can be can be pronounced differently from T. So that's the hard T sound. And you gave a very good example here, W-H-A-T-E-V-E-R. But instead of saying that that sounds like a an R, I want to say that it sounds like a very light D sound. In fact, if you learn from my courses, I have four courses on pronunciation. I talk about this quite a lot. I call it the light D sound. And the light D sound is something like, which, okay, is the same as that sort of... Um, for lack of a better way to say it, Japanese R. That's what I'm going to call it. So, yes, but also I don't think it's useful to call it that. I think it's a little more useful to call it the light D because you're using the same position as you would for a, for a D, except it's a little lighter. So D is D, 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 and the light D is D, 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 right? So this particular word would be pronounced whatever, whatever. Now, notice there I'm not saying whatever, and most people won't say whatever. They'll say whatever, whatever. Now, am I doing a hard D sound? No, that would sound like this, whatever, whatever, whatever. Definitely doesn't sound natural. It's much lighter in the mouth, whatever. So the tip of the tongue is touching the top of the roof of the mouth, or rather the roof of the mouth, on the, on the ridge, right, between the hard palate and the soft palate. You're tapping your tongue there very quickly in the position of the D, but, it, but lighter, right? Whatever, 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 whatever. So definitely that D, a bit of a D sound there. But that is how you say it. Again, if you take my courses, you'll often hear me refer to that as the light D sound. It is very common and very useful to know that and to practice it so that you can have that natural sound when you're speaking English. By the way, guys, if you haven't already done so, don't forget to hit the like button, subscribe. Also, check out my free course, Natural English Conversations, in the links in the description. Good question from Gillinson. Uh... Yes, very good question. It's one of those things that can definitely increase your fluency when you speak. All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining. Good to have you here. Those watching and listening later, I hope you have or had a fantastic St. Patty's Day, if that's your kind of thing. Otherwise, I hope you have a great weekend. And let me know uh, other topics you would like me to cover or talk about if you have apps or things like that you want me to check out, feel free to let me know. Check out the Discord that is free. You can join that. It is in the links in the description. If you join that, say hi. Participate in the conversation. Don't just join and sit on the sidelines. That's just just uh, uh, my opinion, of course, but that's my recommendation for getting the most out of it. What else? Yeah, if you want, you can get a free course, Natural English Conversations, or get 30% off a monthly membership for 12 months 
from the courses that are on my website. So check that out as well. And I hope you have a fantastic weekend or whatever it is that you're doing this week or last week or whatever. Whatever. Have a good one is what I'm trying to say. And uh, I'll see you in the next one.